Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our lead pastor, Mike Wares. Good morning. Hope you all are doing all right. You know, it's all right to clap for an offering meditation. Why don't you give Mary Helen a a big round of applause? I think that girl can preach. I'm not sure about that, so... Hey, we're talking about anointing this morning, and you just saw a video on, on Acts 2 and the, the anointing that happened there. Let me tell you the anointing that happened. Tongues of fire came above their head and set them apart. And, and then what happened next is that they spoke in languages they wouldn't normally do. Can I tell you what was going on in that place? Uh, it was the Festival of Weeks, a Jewish festival, the second largest feast that they had. And, and, and there were people literally from around the world there to celebrate the feast. And what God wanted to do is he wanted to set apart his disciples to speak the message to everybody that was there. The problem is there was a language barrier. And that meant that, meant that, that God's anointing would come on those men so that they could speak in other languages. And so as I, I share that with you today, that's what we're talking about. The anointing of God, God setting us apart and then giving us power. And those people had superpowers. There are a ton of movies right now about superpowers. Growing up, we only had one, and his name was Superman, thus the cape this morning. When I was about six years old, uh, I I was wearing the cape around the house, doing the flexing thing, uh, pretending to be Superman, when my brothers and his friends saw me, and they said, you know, with the cape, you can fly. Their plan actually was to get me on the roof of the house, but God intervened, okay? I'm here with you today, so I guess that, that's, that you know that. But this is what they decided to do instead. They got a ladder, and this is what they did. They said, well, what you need to do is get, get on there, and you need to jump off. And I, 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 you know, I said, no, no way. He said, well, start with the bottom rung, okay? So I got on the bottom rung, and I jumped. And, and you know what? I went about 25 feet. Or at least I thought I did. What they actually did was move the ladder back when I jumped. And so I looked back there and I said, 25 feet, this is amazing, I can fly. And so they said, but you know what, you need to get up higher so you can get a little bit of of wind under your cape, and and then you'll do even greater things. So, you know, at this point, I'm pretty psyched and and gullible, okay? And so I went up to the next to the top rung on the ladder about this high, and and they they got me up there, and they said, now, when you jump, you got to push out and put your arms out in front of you, and you'll just take off. So we're going to hold the ladder so it'll, it'll be steady. So I get up there, and just as gullible as could be, I launched out from there and ended up on my face and on my chest. It knocked the wind out of me, and I was gasping for air. My brother loved me, didn't he? I'm not so sure about that. And you know what? I had no superpower. But like Superman, I believe that you and I are called to do a rescue mission. And the the rescue mission that God calls us to is very important. In fact, as we read 1 John, he he is calling the people in 1 John to a rescue mission. There were some people in that time, and what they were doing is this. They were 
teaching false things about Jesus and pulling people away. In fact, what, what John calls them, he calls them the Antichrist, plural. They were teachers that were teaching against Christ, although it looked very much like they were teaching for Christ, and they were pulling away. And what John says to him, he says, you know what, you've got an anointing. So let's look at 1 John, the second chapter, and verse 20. He says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. And then 1 John 2 and 27. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. Can I tell you that word is anointing is a very interesting word. The root of that word is the same root for the word Messiah. It actually means to be set apart, to be set apart with the power of God. And so this anointing is very interesting. One man, and he translated it this way. This is what he said. You have been messiahed. You have been set apart with the power of God, just like the Messiah. And so what John is saying, you have this power to do battle against, you have this power to do battle against the Antichrist, the plural, the teachers that are out there. You've been given power and truth so that you can speak against them. So what I want you to understand today is that anointing, anointing is being set apart by God for his service and task. When we are anointed, God says, I've got a task for you. I've got a purpose for you. And when God gives us a task to do, what he is also going to do is equip us to do that task. So every single one of us has that anointing on us. In fact, what you would see as you study the book of John is that John tells us about that anointing. In John 14 and verse 16, he says, I asked the Father I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. That is the anointing. The Spirit is going to come on you, and he's going to help you with the truth, and he's going to help you be strong. The, the next one in John uh, 15 and verse 26 says, When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. You see, what the Spirit does, what he does is, is help us to know him so that we can speak up for him. That is the anointing that comes. And then in John 16 and verse 13, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. You see, this anointing is a power from God that helps us do what he has asked us to do. It means that we're going to hear God, we're going to do what he says, and he's going to empower us to do what God would have us to do. I believe that, and my life verse helps me to remember that. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24 says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So when God calls us to do something, what he's going to do is empower us. Let me put it to you this way. God calls we answer, God works. God calls, we answer, God works. I will tell you that I believe that is the success uh, that we have here at Northridge. We have elders and staff that have heard the call of God. And then they have answered that call, and then God has worked in this place through them. 
I believe that some of you have answered the call of God. And as you have, God has worked through you and done amazing things. That is the anointing. Uh, A person has put it this way. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. If God asks you to do it, he's going to resource you so you can do it. Do Do you have that? You see, when God asks us to do something, when God asks us to do something, he's going to resource us so we can. So I want to talk about the anointing today, and I want to give you three tasks that I believe we have. I want to give you three groups of people that I believe God has called, and I believe that God's anointing is on them. And, and, and we're going to jump into this, and, and hopefully you'll catch a vision for what God wants to do in your life and through you. So the first group of people that I want to talk about that I believe that have God's call on them are men, husbands, and fathers. Men, husbands, and fathers. What I want you to understand, the task that God has given to us men is to be spiritual leaders. I know that that what I'm about to say is not popular in our world today. And, and, but I want you to understand that I have prayed and tried to choose my words carefully so that you will understand what God's word says. This is God's divine order. This isn't what I think. And, and so I will tell you that God has a divine order and he's determined that men are to be the spiritual leaders. Right now, I'm having some people that are wanting to push back. And I, will, I understand why you want to push back, ladies. If you want to say, no, 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 no. It's because, guys, we haven't done a great job. We haven't followed Jesus in this. And, and, and as we think about that and as we look at it, it, it is so very clear that that is what God says. It's not my order, I remind you of that, but it's what God has determined since the beginning of time. So I want us to go to, to some verses in, 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 in Ephesians, in the fifth chapter. And I want you to see these in Ephesians 5.21 because it's laid out pretty clearly for us. It's laid out pretty clearly. This is what it says there. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's the foundation. You and I are to look out for the good of each other. And and we do it out of reverence for Christ. We do it because we submit to him. And then we can submit to each other. And you see, guys, when we submit, and it's not about us being in charge, it really changes things. That's the foundation. I'll just say this. If you're not going to do that, the rest isn't going to work. Okay? If we're not going to do that, it means that we all submit. And then the next part, it says, wives, submit yourself to your own husbands. You do as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit submit to their husbands and everything. I'm going to stop right there. I know some of you right now are pushing back, and I know it's also because, men, we haven't, we haven't followed the way that Christ would have us to. Guys, it gets worse for us. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
that's pretty hard. I, I will just tell you right now that what he's calling us to do is to lay aside our rights. And we may not be called to die, but we're going to have to die to ourselves, so that it isn't about what we want, so that we are willing to submit to each other. You see, it's God's order. Now, I'm going to tell you what I believe with all of my heart. I believe, men, that if we were to take up the tasks that God has given us to be the spiritual leaders in our, in our families, there would not be a Me Too movement. I believe that, men, if we were to, if we were to say, I'm going to be the spiritual leader, that our, our children would have role models and they wouldn't turn to, to, the, to the sports stars and the movie stars. I, I believe that if, we, that if we would be spiritual role models and, and leaders, that we wouldn't see leaders in this country being arrested for sex trafficking. I believe that, that if we were the people of God, and leading spiritually men that there wouldn't be women and children that would be abused. I believe that if we were being the spiritual leaders, that we wouldn't be begging people to go down to our children's areas to serve, but we would have men begging to have influence in children's lives. I just believe that's how it is. And guys, because we haven't done what God wants us to do, the world is in the mess that it is today. So guys, I'm going to give you four things. I'm going to give you four things, and, and, and this is what I'm going to tell you today. Uh, if you want to be the spiritual leader of your house, you got to learn to love like Jesus. you got to learn to love like Jesus. Jesus died. I don't believe that many of us will be asked to die to give our lives, but I do believe that every single man in this room will be asked to die to self and to give up their rights so that they can lead spiritually. And that is probably the hardest death there is. But, but God calls us to die. We're called to realize that it's not our rights, but what God wants. And at that point, we can begin to serve. And that's the second point, is that we would become servant leaders. The way that the world teaches leadership is that you lead from a position of power. And the way that Jesus taught leadership is that you did it from a position of a servant. And so we see him washing his disciples' feet. There are two people that stand out in modern history as great servant leaders. One is Martin Luther King Jr., and the second is Mother Teresa. They had it down what it was to serve, and they were people of great influence. Night to Shine happened a few weeks ago, and I, I want to tell you what staff did afterwards. I wish you could have been here to see them. They were down on their hands and knees in this room picking up trash. That is why our staff, that is why our staff has great influence. Third thing, guys, we got to get our noses out of the pornography and into God's word. Did he just say that? I absolutely did. 80 to 90% of men are hooked on pornography. They're looking at it regularly. And I'm just going to tell you, that doesn't work. What pornography does is it grabs our souls. It changes the way our minds operate. It ruins our, 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 it ruins our marriages. And on top of that, it causes our love for Jesus to grow cold. I will tell you what would happen if men, if we were spending as much time in God's word as we do in looking at things on the screen, you know what? It would change us. So I challenge you to put it down and turn it off and get into God's word and allow him to change you. Number three, number three, 
is begin to pray. Fight like a man on your knees. You're going to hear this again in just a few minutes. We typically, guys, we pray emergency prayers. Something bad happens, and this is what we pray. God, why did that happen? Get me out of this mess. And I will tell you whether prayers need to happen is long before the emergency ever gets there. And God will have strengthened us. God will have worked. And you know what? Many times it won't be an emergency anymore because we'll know what God is doing and how he's working. I, I want to tell you guys, I'm challenging you today to be a man of God. Uh, not just to sit there and let somebody else lead because Satan has arranged for other people to lead your children and your wives. is to be the man of God that you, that you should be. I want you to hear this, though. You cannot do it on your own. You need the anointing of God to do this. You need the power of God to come over you. If you are here today and you have decided, maybe I'm not doing a great job of being the spiritual leader in my family, can I tell you what you need to do? You need to get on your knees this afternoon confess the sin and repent and then ask God to make the changes in you so that you can stand and lead your family as a servant, not from a position of power. Number two, number two group of people I want to talk to are parents, moms and dads, grandparents and teachers. These are people who have influence over children. These are people that are, are shining the light so that our children can see where to go. I, I, I got to tell you, we're called to do that. God has called us as, as the church and as parents and as grandparents that, that we have this huge trust that he has given us. They're called children. And, and our job is to, 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 to lead them to Jesus Christ. We are in an all-out battle against Satan, and he is pulling out everything that he has. I, I have prayed with some of you, and I have talked with some of you uh, about the attack that is on your children. And I'm going to tell you that we have to take up the task, and it's hard. It is hard. We're told in, in, in Proverbs, the 22nd chapter in verse 6, it says, train children how to live right, and when they are old, they will not change. That's our job. That sacred trust. And if we don't do what we're supposed to do, they won't be where they're supposed to be. So I've got four things for you too. Number one is to be godly. You are an example that your children are watching. And to be godly is so important. The country singer said it this way. He said, I asked my son, where did he learn that word? And what did he say from you, dad? They were watching. I saw a pretty sad picture the other day. It was a man driving his car. He was making an obscene gesture to another driver. And his son from the back seat and the car seat was mimicking that gesture. You see, more is caught than taught. You see, godly examples, that's what our children see. And they see everything that we do. Be godly. Number two. Number two is to be passionate about raising our children in Christ. I was one of those crazy parents that went to their kids' ball games. I would yell and scream and hoot and holler and urge them on to do the best, okay? I, I, I'm probably as good as anybody in this room at doing that. What bothers me is as I look back on my life, I don't believe I was nearly as passionate 
about what they did that would last for eternity. When they, when they, when they stood for Jesus Christ, did I hoot and holler? When, when they were in God's word, did I urge them on? When, when they memorized a piece of scripture, did I get as excited as if they had scored a goal? I tell you what, when we get that passionate about seeing our kids in Christ and in church and being changed by it, you know what? God will do great things. Passion for our kids in Christ. Number three. Number three is to be involved in sharing Christ with our children. To be involved in sharing Christ for our children. I hear this often. Well, that's the church's responsibility to, to, to raise my child, to teach them about Jesus. I'm going to tell you this right now. It is not. They're your kids, okay? We have them for an hour a week, the little monsters, okay? And we're not going to change them. But I will tell you what we will do. We will stand with you. We will equip you. We will resource you so that you can teach them. You are the ones responsible. We're going to do everything we can to come and work beside you. I would challenge you to do this, is to get with the next-gen leaders, and they can show you all the resources that are available on your computer and on your phones so that you can be the spiritual influencers in your children's life. I would also encourage you to do this, to go down to the ends here, to the different, different areas, the next-gen ministry, out to the link, and volunteer. Because what will happen when you volunteer is you will become familiar with the resources, and you will, you will understand what it means to have influence in kids' lives. Fourth thing, pray for your children. Uh, my grandchildren are three months, two at three years, and one at five years. I'm already praying for who they will marry because that will absolutely change their lives. I can remember I did the emergency prayers as my kids were growing up when maybe they were doing something they would and I would call out to God. But I will tell you what, I wish I'd have spent a lot more time on my knees when my kids were very young, asking God to surround them with godly people, asking God to light a fire in their hearts that they might know Him. And I'm going to tell you right now, some of you all are dealing with some hard things right now with your children, and the best place that you can be is on your knees and crying out to God for help, because this is what I know, He will give you an anointing, and He will do things in you and through you and will help you. Hey, I'm just going to warn you up front. You're not equal to the task, moms, dad, grandparents, and teachers. You can't do it by yourself. You need this anointing so that the light of Jesus Christ can shine through you. One more group of people I want you to see. And I'm glad we're down to one because I may not make it through there. So here it is, neighbors, neighbors. Acts 17. Verse 27 says that you and I have been placed where we are. We've been determined exactly where we're going to live in the exact time. Why? So that people might seek God. I believe that most of you in here know Jesus Christ. And so you seeking him isn't why you're there. You're there to help people seek God. So in your, in your area where you live, in the area where you work, you're there to help people come to know Jesus. The, the interesting thing about the word neighbor many times in the New Testament is simply means those that are near you. So look around. You have neighbors around you right now, those that are near you. 
And, and, and those are the people that we're responsible for. Where you live, you have people around you. Where you work, you have people around you. In your dorm room, in your classrooms, you have people around you. And you know what? They're the neighbors that we are to be reaching out to. Today, if you go out to lunch, you're going to be near a, a server. They're your responsibility. If you go and run to Kroger like so many of you do after church, there's going to be somebody there. They're going to be near you as they check out, and you may be the only Bible they see. I love what it says in 1 Peter, uh, the second chapter in verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So let me give you three things. Let me give you three things. The first one is to reflect the light of Jesus. That's what this series is all about. We will reflect the light of Jesus when we are in his word, when we are in church, when we're allowing him to work in us. We will be the prism that refracts the light that it goes all over. The second thing is simply to claim our mission field. That's wherever you are is your mission field. You don't have to go around the world to be on the mission field. You just have to stand up for Jesus Christ. Wherever you are, you put in the flag for Jesus Christ and you tell people about him. And the third thing is, you probably already know, pray. Pray for opportunities to speak up for Jesus. I will tell you that if you do this, God will open doors. I have a hit list. It's in the area where I pray. It's got many names on there. And I've prayed and prayed about people in this community. And I will tell you what, we're seeing some of them in church now. We're seeing some of them are come to know Jesus Christ. I still got a long list and I'm still praying. Why? Because I believe in the power of prayer. Now, let me just tell you as a neighbor, you're not equal to the task. You're not going to be able to do this. You need the anointing of God. Here's the sermon on the sentence, and some of you are thinking, he's just getting cranked up now and gotten to the sermon on the sentence. I put it at the end today. This is it. We must hear the call. Adam talked about that last week. We've got to open our ears and hear what God is saying to us, and then we've got to stop making excuses. I can't do it. I, I'm not equipped. We can't use that excuse anymore because of the anointing of God on our lives, and then we've got to get it done we got to answer the call, and that's to be godly men, to be godly husbands, to be godly fathers. We've got to answer the call to influence our children as parents and grandparents as teachers. We've got to answer the call to be neighbors that are taking the message of Jesus. And when we stop making excuses and get it done, this world will be a better place. As a kid, I used to sit behind the steering wheel of my dad's car. He had a Mustang, and I would sit in there and just pretend. But you know what? When I just pretended, I had no idea about the power that was available. Why? Because I wasn't moving, and I wasn't doing anything. When I was about 13 or 14, my mom would take me to meetings at church, and you know what she would do? She would give me the keys to the car so I could listen to the radio. And she would say, crank it up about every 20 minutes so you don't drain the battery. And you know what? I would crank it up. But I never put it in gear, and I didn't realize the power that was there. Why? Because I was never moving. And then I got my license. I cranked it up, and I put it in gear. And oh, my, the power that was available, uh, the, 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 the joy, the, the usefulness of, uh, of having that power and using it in an amazing way. Uh, it, it was absolutely amazing. Can I tell you what I know? A lot of people come to church 
They sit there with the steering wheel in their hand, but they've never put it in gear, and they don't know the power that is available from God. They don't know the joy when the anointing comes over them, and God does amazing things. So my challenge to you today is this. My challenge to you today is this, is to put it in gear. Stop sitting. Allow God to put his call and his anointing on you and work in you and through you. That's what I'm asking today. Put it in gear and see what God will do. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking you to speak to us today. I pray that we will hear your call. I pray that we will stop making excuses. Father, I'm asking that today that I would see some men that would stand up and say, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to be the leader that you've called me to be. I'm praying for moms and dads and grandparents and teachers that would say, I can't do this. I need your anointing, God. I'm praying for every single one of us to realize the mission field where we live. Father, speak to us right now. Speak to us. How many dads do I have in here? Okay. How many men do I have in here? How many husbands do I have in here? Guys, if you're ready to take up the, 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 if you're ready to take up the responsibility of being a godly leader, I want you to stand up right now. If you're ready to, to take that, okay. How many moms and dads do I have in this room? How many of you all are ready to take up the responsibility of leading your children, teachers? Would you stand? How many of you all are neighbors? How many of you all are near people? If you're not standing right now, if you're not ready to take up that responsibility of taking Jesus to people, can I tell you what? You're missing out. I'm just calling you today is to do what God's asked you to do, to get it in gear and allow his anointing to come over you and see the amazing things that he would do. If you need prayer today, we'll be up, up front. But you need to understand our God is so good. And the one of the ways that he is so good is that he's put an anointing on your life so that you can have a purpose for all eternity. Let's sing. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at